0: Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Right, what's up, guys? Welcome back. We haven't done not done an episode in weeks. We've been busy. Yeah, very busy. Good thing, <laughs> good so thing. yeah. So, um, yeah, today we got Mr. Jeff Scholson from uh, PBR Utah. What's up, Jeff? How are you doing, guys? Doing well, man. I mean, this is a long time coming with uh, with you. You know, we've had a good relationship for the last years now, and, yep. You know, I saw you at the facility the other day, and I was like, hey, you want to do the podcast? Like, like hell yeah! So yeah. here we are. Yeah, and we got uh Taylor Taylor Utah on on here partially today. So, Mister Mister Utah himself.
1: Hi, yeah, and he's then, monopolized the state.
0: Um, yes, yeah, so Jeff, tell us who you are first of all. Uh, obviously, you're you know in charge of everything at PBR Utah, but you know who you are as a person and how you got started in it.
1: Yeah, I, uh, as you can kind of see here in the background with big league jerseys and whatnot of players I've signed, you know, I grew up in Hurricane, Utah, a little small town outside of St. George, and I lived in St. George for about 15, 16 years. And then we relocated and built a house back in my hometown three years ago. But uh, I came out of a small town. I was the first kid from my high school to ever play professional sports um then yeah. it trickled into the rest of my family my younger brother I played for the angels in the minor leagues after a four year college career and then my younger brother came along in 2004 and he was drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays out of high school and he signed after a year with Dixie State back when they had those draft and follow rules in the major league draft for junior college players and then it just continued on to where there was a player at Hurricane High School that moved in, went to go to Glendale, Glendale community college, and I drafted him. So all three players at Hurricane high school, either I signed them or they were my sibling. And so it just kind of, you know, it was one of those things that I have this wild dream coming from a small town that I could actually do something in baseball and, and get somewhere with it. And I look back and it's crazy. All the things that have happened in my life that, most, if not all of them, outside of playing in the big leagues itself rather than the minor leagues have all come true. Um, I was a college coach, the head coach back in the mid-70s, mid-70s mid-90s at Southern Utah University back when they were a Division One program. They dropped their program about 10 years ago, but it was kind of the spearhead for me to get into professional scouting. That's kind of what I wanted to do. And, but it gave me that great background in division one baseball to be around some of the greats of the game and coach against the Jim Brocks at Arizona state and the Gary Pullens at BYU and some of these legendary names of the past and create, you know, kind of a kinship with those guys, lifelong friendships. And then I moved into professional scouting in 99. And I was with the angels for 11 years, the brewers for nine. So a 20 year full-time career. And then the pandemic hit and everybody started losing their jobs. And it was like, I wanna say what I heard, you know, through different uh, magazine articles, it was like 150 to 180 major league scouts were fired across baseball. And so I was one of those unfortunate ones, Uh, cost cutting measures, they weren't hiring veteran scouts. Uh, They were going without some scouts in those territories for a couple of years across baseball. And then it became the younger, the younger generation and the new breed of scout. And so I, after getting let go, I was like, okay, I'm good with my career. You know, I I would love to continue to scout, but that wasn't possible with the era we were in. So I'd already been kind of looking at prep baseball report and kind of contemplating during the summer of 20 that just in case things blew up, what would I do next? And it was a really fast process. We didn't have PBR in Utah. And I sent out a resume and we started talking. And it was really fast and was hired on and, and just kind of started from ground zero. And now we've kind of blown up the state. It's been awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. What's, uh, what, uh, let's talk about like, your scouting stuff first. Um, you know, what were you looking at like, when you evaluate a player? You know, like, parent, This is kind of for parents, for players, for coaches, whatever. You know, what's your evaluation look like when it comes to a player? And then we'll obviously talk about PBR Utah stuff. Like, not okay. talking not talking PBR now, right. or so previously, you know, a high school kid or a college kid, draft guy. Um, you know, a lot of kids can play, right? But not everybody can play the next level, you know? Right. Um, so like, what, what was kind of your thought process and how you're evaluating guys, what you looked at, what you looked for, what the makeup was, all that kind of stuff?
1: Well, I think the first thing you do when – when you get to a ballpark and let's say, you know, 20 plus years ago, and you didn't have showcases, you didn't have a lot of these elite events where you were kind of finding players, um, say in the summertime in controlled environments, where other people had vetted players for you, where it was kind of, let's say you went to a showcase and there's a hundred of the top players. You were getting a lot of recommendations. You were getting a lot of tips from friends, coaches, So you were showing up in the summer and fall for the first time to see a player and all you had done is heard about them. And so now this was your first look. And so what you would do is it's kind of like you were, uh, very first thing you were looking at for 15 seconds as you were sizing up the physical body. And do they look the part? Uh, Can they look the part? Uh,
0: Yeah,
1: you're passing the eye test. And, And real quick, if they're undersized, you know, and that's your first impression, you're going to seek out and try to find who mom and dad is at the ballpark and and try to see what the genetics and and the DNA look like. And if a kid's really physical and mom and dad are not physical, you got to kind of determine, is there a, what kind of floor does he have? What kind of ceiling? Is he already an early mature? Is he bullying the competition at that comp, you know, at that level? And there's really nothing more for, to get out of this kid's ability. So you had to kind of do the body check and pass the eye test and then after that it's just it's tools um statistics are supporters and they back up some of what you're seeing with your eyes
0: it's how you get your your eyes on them in the first place right like oh this kid's yeah. hitting 475 or 575 in in high school in utah like maybe i should look at them
1: yeah and you, you know you're seeing kids you know today you have you know max preps and game changer and some of the statistical things and and you're going to something's going to pop off the page and you're going to go, wow, this kid's hitting 480 with seven, eight home runs. You know, he plays for a top school. So you can already assume if he's out of top school, he's probably pretty good. He's pretty good. But then you've got to see him with your own eyes, whether he comes into a showcase setting or you go see him with your own eyes for the first time. And now you've got to do that, you know, pass the eye test, body actions, movements of. Uh, you know, movement patterns, you know, agility, mobility, you know, just how he moves in general. Does he look like a guy on TV? Or does he not look like somebody that reminds you of somebody on TV? So you start to do body comps. And immediately, if if the guy, you know, pops out and you say this guy looks like x player, you know, it's pretty easy to go from there. But if that player doesn't remind you of somebody and you have to really think it over hard and go, wow, I mean, who does this guy remind me of? And you're really having to get into deep thought. Maybe he's not a player, you know, because maybe because there's so many bodies in the big leagues, they look very similar in some ways, different, but similar. And, and if you've had 19, 20,000 guys playing the big leagues over 100 plus years, this guy's going to remind you of somebody. But if he doesn't, he's probably not a player. Absolutely. I mean that. That's what I, my. That's one of
0: the first things I've ever said is like the you got to pass the eye test first and foremost, you know. And I was talking to Ashton earlier today. It's like they look. People look at like going to games and showcases and all those different things as a, an investment, and they look at developing their body as more of an expense, right? Right. Um, they don't want. They don't want to invest their money into the, the passing the eye test first and foremost. They just think going out throwing eighty one to eighty three every weekends and then get them better. You know, right. and um that's something I firmly believe in. Obviously, that's why I started my business and my company, right? <laughs> it's because yep. I didn't pass the eye test um up until probably my junior senior year of college. Like you mm-hmm. know, I was finally hit around 190, 200 pounds and you know, looked like an athlete finally, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, physicality wise, you know, I think that's a mentality also, right? Yeah. Um, so you gotta look at what, what kind of stuff do you look at on the mental approach Are you like when, once you get to that interview process
1: well i think you have you know a lot of major league scouts that you know nowadays they do a lot of zoom stuff because of the pandemic but prior pandemic you know they were probably going into you know you're visiting with 10 15 to 20 kids across high school and college during the winter time you know making visits to you know to starbucks with a college player or their dorm room or anywhere on campus, but in the actual home with the mom and dad at the high school level. And you're really trying to get to know these players. The hard part is is that you're you're trying to get to know these kids in a couple hours. and And so it takes a lot of due diligence and going the extra mile to create that really short space window, maybe within a one-year span prior to them getting drafted. And so it's almost impossible to really get to know them but you have to get to know them enough to where you feel comfortable making some kind of investment to to give them six figures or seven figures in a bonus to play professional baseball Mm -hmm. and you've got to get to know who mom and dad is you've got to know what they did academically is school a a big deal to them or is school not a big deal you have to know whether or not they want to develop in college versus pro ball or just get into the system as quick as possible Mm -hmm and get that professional coaching. So there's a lot of things that go into what is gonna make that kid sign a professional contract. But before that it's, is he good enough to sign a professional contract in the first place? And so there it's kind of a very complex system that would take hours and days to kind of educate people on what we look at. Uh, But like I said, stats, stats are important. You know, the good players have to put up numbers. And I haven't seen a draft pick yet that doesn't have good statistics, yeah. you know. And I remember when I was with the Angels, Eddie Bain, the legendary scouting director who drafted Mike Trout, was my boss for a long time. And he really wasn't a numbers guy, you know, like the guys are today. He he was more old school, eye test. But we'd always have those, you know, five by seven index cards with stats ready to go just in case he did ask. And I remember one time I, I offered up statistics for a guy and I said, "Do you want his numbers?" And he said, uh, "He's a good player, isn't he?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, I, I'd assume he's got good numbers." He said, "If he doesn't, you don't. He's not on your draft list." So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, I, have a, I have a question. You know, that, that kind of pertains to you personally, and now yeah. doing what you do too. When you're when you are a, a scouting guy, a scouting director, a scout, regional scout, area scout, are who are you reaching out to the high school coaches, the strength coaches, the club coaches? Who's kind of your network? that you're talking to because a lot of kids, you know, I don't want to say disrespect coaches if they're kind of a bigger name or whatever, like play for a weekend, they're kind of a piece of shit, honestly, or, you know, kind of just like kind of walk all over the team or just not a good teammate, you know, or just not a good fit in a facility like ours or somewhere else, you know? So who's kind of your, your group of network that you connect with guys to talk about that athlete?
1: Well, I think it kind of started as a player you know so i'm 53 so we're talking you know 35 plus years ago that i've played against a lot of people in the state of utah i grew up here uh i coached players you know at the college level i coached against other players you know so i've been embedded in that utah scene you know since birth basically since i could hold a bat and so i've created 53 years of, ne- of a network in the state to where Now these high school coaches, travel ball coaches, it's kind of crazy. I either coached them, coached against them, scouted them, or signed them, and now or played against them. Yeah. And so I can reach out to almost any anybody in the state and vet a player, get an honest opinion, and then from a staff standpoint at our different showcases. You know, I have anywhere from like 15 to 25 guys that I'll use in different capacities up north and down south. And these are all the same guys that, you know, I just talked about, you know. So it was crazy when, you know, here I was. I'll just give you an example. So, you know, Ryan Roberts, uh, the Skyridge High School coach, he was the recruiting coordinator for 12 years at BYU with Vance Law. And I coached against him. I saw him as a junior college player. And then when he went to BYU, I was coaching at Southern Utah, so I coached against him. Then he goes into professional baseball. Now I become a scout. His career ends. He starts coaching at Utah Valley and then moves on to BYU. So now it was a coaching relationship, a scouting relationship. He's now a coach, and he's he's part of that network. Now I'm going to that former player saying, hey, tell me about your BYU players. And so there was hundreds of these guys throughout the state – That at one time I was their, you know, mentor or an elder statesman. And now they're on, you know, my same circle now and part of my little crowd. And it was kind of unique to sign some of these players that it was a scout player relationship or a coach player relationship. Now we're all in this little circle and we're all one in the same. And now I, I trust them like I trust myself. And so I can sit home and have messages just flood my my phone and know who to trust, who to reach out to. But when we put out a showcase announcement and you have 50 to 80 players show up and now I have all these you know reputable guys working with me as staff members, we've got our eyes on a lot of people. And then when the high school season starts, these guys are coaching and either they're posting on Twitter or they're texting me or they're sending me video, it seems like I've kind of, it's almost like you're stalking players and the kids don't even know it. Yeah, They might send you something in a video and you're like, I've already been sent that five times this week. Yeah, you know, They're, they're kind of late to the party because others are doing it for them. Sure. And, and they almost wonder how you know so much about them. And so basically what it is in a nutshell is a scout as a PBR scouting director, you're in the information and relationship business. You're gathering info and you have big relationships.
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's what we preach every day here is it's all about relationships, you know, and building relationships. I mean, that's why we work well together and we built the relationships over, over relationships, (laughs) the relationship over the past couple of years. And, you know, we have, we, you trust us with guys and we trust you with guys and evaluations go both ways, you know, and, um, Now we can talk, you know, obviously about PBR Utah and stuff and, and then how great of a job you've done with that. Where was it? Obviously it was a zero when you took it over. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, what's kind of like your vision with it? What's your goal with it? Um, You do a lot, a lot different than, you know, uh, other, other regions that I've worked with or States I've seen Um, very smoothly ran, you know, people buy in, it's a culture, people tag you guys in social media. They do, you know, you've done a phenomenal job. This culture is the right word, right? It's yeah, not just about showcases for you, yep. you know? Yep. um, you know, Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, it's kind of, you know, I looked at it as being a player in the state, being a coach, understanding what kind of players college coaches want. And they don't want cancers, you know? They, they want those culture-driven players that – are good teammates in the dugout. They're they're good teammates in the field. But in today's world, they're good teammates on social media. And a lot of these kids, you know, now the ones that have caught the vision, you know, you see the Braden Marxes of the world and some of these kids, you know, the McPaul's, the, you know, all these kids that are part of push. That when you see the graphic cards I put out on Twitter, the most viewed profiles each month you know, these kids are almost like PBR kids. It's almost as if we were our own team, our own baseball team. Exactly, yep, yep. But yet we're not. It's 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 you're showcasing, you're, you're vetting players like a scout, then picking some national teams to go to the PBR future games or West Coast games. But it's that vetting process that you're trying to be associated with the best of the best kids. And so I try to tell players and I try to tell coaches – when i tweet about a kid or i put a post out that those have to be earned for me that if i put out a post of a video that player can play somewhere at the college level it's now up to that college coach to do his due diligence to figure out where on the college scale that falls whether that's junior college nai ncaa you know the different three divisions but for me it was about creating a culture to the point where when I walked into a ballpark in the state, they'd always be like, Hey, Jeff's here. The brewers are here. The angels are here. Well, now the kids are saying, Hey, PBR Utah's here. And so they all kind of know that in today's world, they got to tag me and, and kind of say, Hey, how do I capture his attention? And that's what I want. And so it's, it's been a culture of I don't want to be the big bad wolf walking into a ballpark and people are afraid to talk to me because they're like, oh, you know, he's busy. I don't want to waste his time. They can see that, you know, people who are street aware and have field awareness can see when I'm bearing down. But other times I have to socialize and I have to network and I have to glean information. So I think with the kids overall, it just comes down to a lot of them text me. A lot of them call me. They ask for advice. Parents do the same. Um, I've helped kids flip commits when coaches have left for other programs. Uh, Mick Paul is one of those, um, helped him get to LSU. And when Jay left and he was kind of in limbo and didn't know if he was going to LSU or not, you know, they felt comfortable to call me. And so lately we've been putting out these graphic, you know, graphic testimonials on Twitter and yeah, it's a culture. That's kind of what I wanted and everything is going the way I wanted. Now it's just a matter of continue to grow up.
0: I mean, where do you, where do you see it growing? Like how, what's, what's next, right? Because you can only do so many quality events, right? You don't yeah. want to just look at like, you know, you have your top player event that we're kind of going to and all these other yep. invite only things, but you don't want to be like other, other organizations I won't mention, but right. um, you know, where that's just going to pay us your money we'll just give you a, a grade or a, a, a lie of a grade and, you know, right. thank you for your $350, $50, right. you know?
1: Right. Yeah. I think it comes down to you grow as the numbers grow, you know, you grow as the state grows. Um, I wouldn't say there's a ceiling. I don't think I know where that ceiling is, but I think you can always capture new events, you know, whether that's an unsigned senior showcase, whether it's an open ID showcase, whether it's, you know, capturing a part of the state that's kind of untapped, you know, those are the growing aspects of it. Cause I think, You know, people tend to look at, say, let's say Arizona, and you look at Tucson, Flagstaff, Phoenix, you know, or Kingman, you know, and you look at Utah and it's kind of Salt Lake City, Provo, St. George, and you kind of forget they play baseball up in the northern part of Logan, where it's really cold, where Utah State's at, but they don't have a college baseball program. So there's always places to grow and and get better. But I think at some point, yeah, you, you don't want to just run things to run things. You want them to be quality, and you want to have good players in, in, in those showcases and, and see those players over and over and over and get comfortable with them.
0: Yeah, the same with us, right? We're, we talk about quality all over, over quantity all the time. Fortunately, for, we've had higher more coaches. We're busier. And yep. you know, in Arizona and Colorado, we've had a phenomenal staff for years, and we've done a great job. That's where we started. But here in Arizona, it's just like higher, 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 I feel like. It's a blessing, you know, and I think it's just giving giving attention to the kids and loving on the kids and honestly being brutally honest with the kids.
1: Yeah.
0: That's something with it, you know, and that's just people too nowadays just like you're going to pay us your money. We're going to give you a good grade or we're going to, you know, make the radar gun look good for you or, you know, reach out to some schools for you that you have no no reason going to or whatever, you know, and for us, it's like integrity for one and culture right with it, you know, and Um, I think, I think for like, for on our side, it's just like helping you guys grow too, right? Where we have our remote options with you guys and we have, yeah. you know, your, your top players, most of them have trained with us or trained with us now, you know, and yeah. Yeah. just buying into that process and be like, kind of building that culture where it's like, everybody's on the same page working together to get, to get really freaking good, but also yeah. at the same time, like you, who doesn't want to be number one on PBR rankings, right? <laughs> Right. You know, it's not a team, like you said, but everybody's you know cheering everybody on because you see kids, yeah. you know, you see a kid in here, like his buddies will tag him, in mm-hmm. in, a, in a or retweet his post for him or whatever. They'll they'll support him, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where
1: a lot of I think that's one of the coolest. I I think that's one of the cool things, you know, being a good teammate on social media. You know, some of these kids, other players that don't have that vision yet, that haven't seen. How do I be, how do I get my profile viewed? you know a yep. hundred times or a thousand times? You know, how do I grow you know my video views? How do I if you grow your video views, you just have to do the math. How many of those video views are probably college coaches? you know and and, and you just you have to surmise, you know, you get a few thousand views, there's probably a couple hundred college coaches. Well, how you do that is the more active you are in helping your buddies, like there's lots of division one commits in the in in the state that they could be content they could just say you know what i'll post my own stuff you know i'm good i'll keep everybody abreast of what i'm doing but you go into those kids timelines and it's it's crazy they're they're retweeting two or three kids you know videos a day in a tournament they're being good teammates on social media they have their commitment and they're trying to help somebody else get recognized you know it's yeah. the old john you know it's the old mantra of you know you help enough other people get to the top well, you're going to get to the top as well, just by a byproduct or residually. And, and some of those kids are the ones that are in the higher rankings and profile views. And, and it's not uncommon to go anywhere in this state and bring up a kid's name and say, he's the catcher at this high school. And he's a sophomore, 15 years old. And everybody's like, Oh, I know that kid. I see him all over social media and he's the one that's going to the University of Utah or something, you know, and, those kids are good kids. They're culture kids that you know that you can continue to put stuff out about them, and keep them involved. And in my little inner circle, because I can put my stamp on them, and college coaches know what they're getting.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing, right? Is yeah. Those plus, honestly, the those tweets or those those Instagram posts or whatever, or uh, TikTok or whatever you want to put it on, yeah. those those views don't get to thousands of views without a high product of the athlete right right yeah you know like everybody sees everybody throwing 88 89 now right like that's just a normality mm-hmm. like truthfully yeah. you, you know and even in a cold weather state like utah or colorado mm-hmm. like it's very common we see that below now and now now so it's more so like we got to talk about you know spin rate we got to talk about yep. vertical break horizontal Induced break, uh, horizontal break. We got to talk. You know, talk about all those different things. You know, and like, what, what are you doing to like, educate yourself on that? Because like, you guys run TrackMan, like we do, right? Mm-hmm. We've been going yep. to last year, helped you, helped you with the TrackMan stuff. What, like, how are you educating your your staff, your team? What are you looking at on that
1: side of stuff? I think with, you know, because I came up as an old school scout, you know, pen and paper. It was writing reports in triplicate when I first came up. White copy goes to the office, pink goes here, you know. Then it was computers, cell phones. Then the the reports were getting to be 45 minutes long because there was so much volume and information to put into them. And it became really sports performance and, and analytics and data. And so with Prep Baseball Report, the cool thing is we have an entire data team that works for us. That Major League Baseball clubs have tried to hire these guys away, and they've stayed with Prep Baseball Report, and that says how much they like to work here. But we have, you know, at one time we had the the founder of TrackMan Baseball. You know, we have one of the highest employees that oversees the tech from TrackMan Baseball working for PBR. You know, we have different metrics that are so hard to understand. But anybody that goes to my Twitter account the PBR Utah account, you see a pinned tweet, how to understand your data and what it means. And so let's say I'm at a ballpark as a scout and I see a kid spin a curveball and visually my eyes go, wow. You know, and I, and I jump out of my seat. It became one of those things that I didn't really hold my cards too close to my vest back in the day. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knew when Jeff Schultz and thought a guy had a plus big league curveball, he'd throw it, snap it off. And I jump in my seat
0: <laughs> and everybody
1: go, aha. Jeff's putting a 60 on that one. He's got it. About, <laughs> OK, and that was kind of my tipping point is I knew what a plus curveball looked like. But now you still know, but you're re-engineering like a math problem. You're correcting your work. You look at a spin rate and all of a sudden you see a curveball that you think is a good curveball and you go back and you're like, ooh, that's actually not a good curveball. You know, it, it might have good shape. It might look good aesthetically. Is it really tight? Is it really spinning fast? Does it kind of look like it picks up velocity when it gets to the plate and it disappears and is hard to hit and creates swing and misses? That's what the data does is it's really basically you're looking back and saying, I think this is quality work, what I'm doing as a player but now I'm re-engineering the problem and I'm going from bottom to top and I'm correcting my work mm-hmm. and the data is either going to suggest is good average or not so good.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think that's, what's really cool is if we had this, when I first started scouting, it'd be like being scouts on steroids. Oh yeah. We'd be, we'd be less wrong, you know, and have more room for error than, than we did just using subjective things.
0: I mean, that's the saying that we have: is like data, data or data and uh, movement don't lie, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't cheat either of them. And no. they, like this, you if you move like crap, you're probably not gonna have good, good data. And if you have poor data, you're probably moving like crap, you know. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, you know, they, the two go hand in hand. We we can manipulate athletes or pitchers, you know, the way they throw and increase their their data and points or points by. Increasing their movement quality and movement yeah. capacity, you know, and, and that one too is like, that doesn't lie whatsoever. Like those kids, like they throw, look at the track and all right, all right this is what I need to shape this slider to be better at, yes. you know? And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not the end all be all. At, at some point you still need to go out and compete. Right. You still need to play the game of baseball, but right. that's on the development side, which the game we're in, we're not in the competition Right. phase right now we're in the development phase right now and that's more so like hey go out we have compete bullpens we have live at bats so you have you have your showcase and then you have your um your your scrimmages right yeah have those there's times to compete and there's times to get better and a lot of kids don't aren't looking at you know when to get better so it's more so like i want the i want the instant gratification now right you know? Right. That's no, I see, much.
1: you know, you, you get kids that I mean, I won't name names or anything, but you see there's there's a few kids in the state that, you know, are hitting four eighty to five twenty at six eight programs and they've got quality statistics on the field. But then you go do the eye test and you kind of go, He looks like he's allergic to the weight room. He needs calf implants, you know, he he looks like he, he mm-hmm. needs to eat a candy bar. I mean, it's like, what do I need to do, Jeff? to get to the next level uh, go eat something a lot okay you're 100 a you're yeah you're 6'1 155 six, 6'1 you should be about 185-190 okay yep. you're you're malnourished you might have great you might have great hand and eye coordination and you can hit a baseball but it's a singles hitter and yes you've got a lot of hits yes you're on base yes you've got a high batting average but you're not slugging you know there's no impact you're not Putting up extra base hits, you're you're not driving the ball, not only through the alleys but over people's heads.
0: Yeah, your OPS is low. Sorry.
1: Yes, you know, <laughs> and if it and if it's always go the other way, I always try to tell kids, look, like where are you going to slug the best? Where where is the the biggest uh, part of the field you're going to create your slugging percentage to the pole side. You know, and and that's where you're going to make impact. Sure, you're going to get your hits the other way. So I think those kids have to realize that, you know, if you have a college baseball program that's within half hour to an hour of your house and you're not watching them play live, you don't want to play college baseball. You like the idea and the thought of playing college baseball and that this might be something you may be good at. But you really don't understand what it what it means to have passion for something to where that's all you can see down the road. That's how I was. And those are kind yeah. of the players that I do look for when I grew up. It was baseball, baseball, baseball. And I get accused all the time of not having any other interests outside my family than baseball, you know, and for the longest time, the only thing I cared about was baseball and living in the gym and, and they went hand in hand. And it was the stronger I am, the harder I'm going to hit it, you know, that I had to be a bully on the field and that there's other players bigger and better, but maybe not the two together, you know, they might be be big and that's Mm -hmm. it. And they looked apart, but they're really not that good or they're really talented and they're not that big. And I'm like, well, if I put the two together, it's a marriage that's almost unstoppable. If you throw the passion element into it. And so I think those are the players that make it and those are the players that that really they'll die out. If the passion's not there, the body's not there, if it's just talent and you're just going to be a baseball player. That's what it was like back in the 1920s, the 1950s, when it was don't touch a weight, you know, and and today it's totally different. They're big, they're physical. You go watch a game and they're physical and you kind of are like, whoa, I didn't realize these guys are that big. Nope. And and if you want to be on the field with those guys, you have to do everything humanly possible to fit that bill and be able to hang with them. Because the biggest thing that I noticed when I went to professional baseball is at every level, the speed of play gets incrementally faster and, it, and it's they run faster. The balls hit harder. You have to have better lateral quickness, you have to have better instincts because you have to react so much quicker because the players are just stronger and faster. Yep. And at some point you reach that ceiling where for me it was it was A ball. It was, okay, uh, I'm having a hard time hitting the big velocity now. I'm having a hard time, my range is diminishing. Not to say that was bad, but I was able to pat myself on the back and say, hey, I at least got to that far. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but there's there's players that want to play college baseball and maybe professional baseball is way down the road. And that's hard to visualize. But not everybody has a major league or minor league baseball team near them. But everybody does have a college program and that's where it starts. And so they need to go watch college baseball to really see. Can I do this? Is it realistic?
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember my first college baseball game. Mm -hmm. I was like playing at Southern Nevada in Vegas. Mm Yeah. And I was like. This game is so much faster. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I got lucky. I hit a triple my first at bat. It was a rollover triple down the third base line because I was so far in front of a ninety four mile hour fastball. Because yeah. I was like so nervous, like I gotta get to the ball. Yeah. And I just like I, I just went I blacked out. Like I, <laughs> I tell people this all the time. Like I blacked out when I asked my wife to marry me. When I said yes, and I hit my first, I had my first college at bat. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> you know? Like true. that's. I mean, that's like that the game. I was like. That's why I tell all these kids, like, when you get to the next level, yeah, stadiums look the same, the base pass the same, you know, the shit ain't the same, like, yeah. it's faster, yeah, you know, and, um, you know, just preparing those kids to get to that point, that's, that's huge,
1: you yeah. know. I almost it's uh, no different than when we used to get in a, in a against a pitching machine, you know, growing up,
0: Yeah, you yep. know,
1: and a teammate or a coach has got the machine turned up, and you're like, hey, whoa, dude, slow it down.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's over cool. there
0: freaking hitting rockets off of it
1: yeah and you're kind of <laughs> like no that's what you got to hit but if yeah but if you get to a certain level you can't just ask the opponent to slow it down it is what it is or you're gonna have to cut bait and you're gone so
0: yep 100 100 um going off the development stuff i know there's a lot of great facilities in utah like why what's why why what do you trust about push performance being in arizona or colorado like why do you guys have your players you know why do we come to you guys versus just you know some random facility in utah
1: well i think the biggest difference is that you see it's not just utah but it's kind of all over the place is that you have you know pop-up facilities overall strength and conditioning um, facilities you know kind of a, a one-stop shop cookie cutter kind of thing and it seems like the the poster boy maybe the owner or the lead strength trainer at a different facility is that dude who looks like a cartoon figure and he looks like Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman and he played middle linebacker for the Patriots. It's like, um, I already know how you look and how you lift. And that's probably how you're going to teach me to lift. Yeah, and, yeah. and so, you know, when baseball's an every man's sport and yes, the one the to 2% of baseball players have got to be physical and they got to be fast. And so with you guys, it's a difference If most, if not everybody has exercise sports science degrees or kinesiology degrees. That's what I had. And so there's specific body movements and and that translate to the baseball field that this isn't about looking good in the mirror and aesthetics. This is about usable, tangible stuff that works on the baseball field that maybe five pounds, you may not know five pounds translates into that ball in the gap. Now it's out of the ballpark. And your initial thought was, I got to gain 20 pounds to be able to drive the ball out of the ballpark. Maybe it's only five pounds and additional strength and getting those quality movement with getting into the fast twitch versus the slow twitch. And I think that's where you guys kind of separate yourself because it's sports specific strength training.
0: Individual specific training. Yes. yeah, Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's all the questions. Anything for us? But we're looking at yeah. the coming out there in July, July, John, July 12th. 12th. Yeah, July 12th. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's, it's in uh, Provo, yeah. right? Pleasant Grove, yep. Pleasant Grove. Yep. So, yeah, excited to be there and enjoy some cooler weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's already yeah. 109 here today, so we're doing Yeah, it.
1: the mountain air. It'll be awesome. Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Cool, Jeff. Well, I appreciate it, man. Let's uh, stay in touch and let me know if you need anything.
1: Okay. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.